everybody. Welcome to this week's interview. I went out and got you a fantastic uh, discussion today with a former editor for Marvel Comics. He has uh, touched into so many different characters. We want to talk to him today about his work on Thor. So I am uh, proud to uh, say Mike Rockwitz, welcome to Across the Bifroster. How are you tonight? Well, first of all, thank you, Ryan, for uh, reaching out to me uh, via Facebook. It, it's always nice to get in touch with people who remember me, first and foremost. So I'm doing well. Uh, I'm excited that we get to talk about one of my favorite characters uh, in existence, the Mighty Thor. Uh, so uh, it's a privilege, actually. I've been out of comics for so long. I've been out of comics longer than most people have been alive. So I got out of comic books in almost 20 something years ago. So it, it, it's nice to feel, dare I say, relevant. So thank you for asking me. <laughs> well, we are, we are really honored to have you back, uh, to have you back into the world of comics. Uh, for, awesome. for Even if it's for one night only, we're glad to have you back. Uh, I, wanna, I wanted to just let our fans know, uh, where in the nine realms do you call home? Well, I am a native New Yorker, born in Manhattan in New York City. And uh, I've lived here my whole life with a brief stint in San Diego, California, when I was working for uh, Image Comics, the Wildstorm uh, Publications, Wildstorm Productions, okay. whatever they call it. And I moved back in the, in the 90s, and uh, I proudly call Astoria, Queens, New York, my home, and uh, represent Queens, yo. Awesome. That, <laughs> I mean, that's like the heart of Marvel country. Well, yeah, Marvel Comics, uh, when I joined in 1985 as a high school intern, was uh, located at 387 Park Avenue South, which is 28th Street and Park. And uh, I was a high school intern. Uh, I went to Regis High School on 85th Street, 84th Street and 85th Street in Manhattan. So it was about uh, six subway stops away. So after school, I'd get to go down to a Marvel Comics. So uh, that, that's, that's where it all began in 1985. So, so that honestly, that's a perfect setup for for how I want to introduce people to you. What are some of your first memories of, of, of comics since you, you, you got into it when you were in high school, but what were, what were some of your first memories of being introduced to superheroes and comics uh, as a whole? I, I think it started, I have an older brother and uh, he, we used to just go to the candy stores and comic book stores that now weren't comic book stores, but just newsstands and just, uh, pick comic books off the rack that were cool and he liked dc but you know that's his problem and i like i like the colorful of comics of marvel like the fantastic four and thor and the incredible hulk and uh you know this is i'm talking maybe 1974 1975 they were pretty cheap then my mom was always a uh, cheap too so she'd give us a <laughs> buck and um you know you get four or five comic books and, what a deal. Uh, what a yeah, deal. It was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> and uh, you could go home and you could just pour through these and look at the colorful artwork and the sound effects. And you're like, wow, I was mesmerized. And um, I was a bit of an artist myself. I think everyone who likes comics is either a writer or an artist or some sort of creative. creative yes. Soul. And, um, you know, I used to doodle in notepads and all that stuff in, in grammar school and you know, I, I like drawing Spider-Man and, you know, I, I just had an affinity for it. You know, it's just like something I, I was drawn to. And uh, Marvel would put out these little digest books. They were like little paperbacks. Okay. And, and it had like maybe the first six issues of The Incredible Hulk or the first six issues of The Fantastic Four or The Mighty Thor or Spider-Man. And um, you could read them. Like, 
even though like the continuity was like issue 140 of the Fantastic Four, you got to read the first six issues of the of the of the characters or the Mighty yeah. Four, like Journeys into Mystery 83, and you're like, wow, this is oh so cool. God. So you know, like you, you just had that connection. So the Marvel Universe, you know, I, I can't comment on the current state of it, but it was such a unique, tightly wound uh, universe. So yeah. that you could go backwards and feel like you didn't really miss too much in say 15 to 20 years like you could catch up that quickly because they were just so well written they hadn't gotten so uh dare i say bloated and scattered to the point where you know you we would see where thor's originated you know in journey into mystery and how it, it morphed into him getting his own title the mighty thor with all the the characters of you know the jack kirby stan lee run and then you went on to john buscema and uh like that was a bit of a transition too, because you go from Jack Kirby to John Buscema. Jack Kirby yeah. was just like very high stylized. He's my favorite artist of all time, I, and um, you know, then went to John Buscema, who was a much more illustrative and polished artist, and understood anatomy, and like he was equally dynamic. It was just different, but it was still awesome because it put a different spin on on how how Thor was uh, just the the scenes and the women looked exotic and the monsters still look ferocious and uh the writing was good still and then um i, I just kept up the interest and i was a fan yeah. like i just collected you know i didn't think of anything of it i had a subscription <laughs> you know where you got them in the brown bag brown yeah wrapping in your mailbox and uh and once those subscriptions ran out i would just you know fill the the gaps with uh wherever back issue stores because in manhattan where i grew up you had a cool store, I think, on Second Avenue called Super Snipes, and like okay. 82nd and Second, and you could go in there, and it was it was just a nice place to go, and you could smell the old paper, oh. and you'd see the old issues in in plastic bags hanging on walls or in frames, and old artwork, and it was just like, I, and I hadn't gone into Marvel yet. I was still a grammar school going into high school, so I was a few years away, but. I was just like, wow. It was kind of like going to a museum for comic books. That's how cool it was. <laughs> that and, sounds amazing. <laughs> uh, and I was just so transfixed on it. I was like, I I love this. I had such a passion for it. And, you know, my love for the arts, like illustration and painting and sketching, you know, I was interested in it. But comic books really just pushed me to want to learn more about artwork. And even the writing of, of like Stan and Roy Thomas, uh, Steve Englehart, Jerry Conway, the way they wrote the descriptive language, and particularly in Thor, I mean, it was this yes. Shakespearean Elizabethan uh, dialect. You know, I don't know if that's how the Norse gods spoke, <laughs> but you know, thou and dost, and you know, I bid thee nay, and all these, I bid these, thee nay. <laughs> all these, uh, all these sayings just were just so cool and unique to me because as I, I, it just appealed to me, you know, like Spider Man. I liked the character. I thought he was interesting, but he always seemed kind of like sad or like, oh, woe is me. And and Cap was always was very patriotic and rigid and and he had his own dialect where he's always a proud American and I am Captain America. But Thor and the characters had such a dynamic, like with Loki, the, the god of mischief. And yeah. uh, you know, then you'd have Ares and Pluto and all these strange characters. They all spoke differently, but they all spoke in such a, a language. That I was like, it was just interesting to me. And it stuck with me. And I would use some of these phrases 
like even when I'm talking to my friends, I bid thee nay, and they're like, "What are you talking about?" Like, and this is like on the on the playgrounds on on the street after at recess in grammar school. I was the um, I say obsessed, but not like to the point where it was unhealthy. But it's just something that it was part of my 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 genetic makeup. I felt um, I could just I could just see the on the playground like you say I bid thee nay to you know some of your elementary yeah. school friends. It's like did Mike hit his head or something? Like, yeah, they they just they they knew I liked comic books. I had a buddy who uh, my friend Frank Frank Roman, if he ever listens to this uh, when it when it's out, we used to go to the comic book shop. So it was like a big deal. You know, yeah. like now you have new comic book day and free comic book day, but like we would just go on a weekend or after school one day to the different comic book shops. And it was an adventure because you could get lost in the back issues. You could get lost in the current issues. And it was like, uh, it was kind of like going to the pool hall or the video arcade or going to the movies, but going to the comic book shop and, you know, comic book collecting, dare I say, wasn't glamorous. It was yeah. always, it always had that stigma of like, oh, what a nerd, what a loser, you're a recluse. <laughs> I didn't really care because it was my, it was escapist fantasy for me. And yeah. uh, I enjoyed it. And um, my friends just left me alone because they saw that I was passionate about it. They saw that I liked to draw the characters and they're like, wow, he's really taking this seriously. And um, so when now flash forward to when I'm actually at Marvel and people realize that I'm there and they're like, wow, Mike, you actually. <laughs> you you did it so it, it was just it was just a cool experience so those are my early um early memories of it and people encouraged me to buy comics they never said oh stop reading that it'll rot your mind or anything like that because if anything it was improving my vocabulary by leaps and bounds and yeah and I, and I went to great schools too uh on the upper east side i went to a catholic school saint ignatius loyola and then i went to regis high school as i mentioned so great education and uh you know, I was in spelling bees and all that, and but comic books really just <laughs> were like my education. Almost. Yeah, I read them more than my homework. So, um, <laughs> you, be that as I, it we're definitely uh, same birds of a feather there. Uh, as you, as you're flipping through these, like you talk about, you know, getting lost in these back issues and and sure. and, and spending so much time with that. Did you have a, like? Uh, a favorite hero that you gravitated to or like specific like issues that you gravitated to more than may maybe some of the others? Well, Thor, uh, I mean, we are talking on Thor and I'm not saying that just because we're on a podcast, it's focuses on Thor, but Thor yeah. was it. Thor was the S H I T to me, man. And, oh my uh, gosh. Yes. You know, uh, Jack Kirby. I, I mean, Jack need, Kirby. Need you say more? <laughs> Jack Kirby drew how many issues of that? While he was drawing Fantastic Four, while he was drawing issues of the Hulk and all of these other uh, Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos, but Thor was his mainstay, and I had to go back. I had to go back in time, dare I say, and get those back issues and see the yellowed paper and even the wrinkled covers, and just those covers alone uh, were so were so beautiful, just with the old printing. And it's so hard to replicate now in the digital. You'll never do it again. But the way they saturated the blacks on the covers and added some grays in there, like half tones of, of black, and the, the printing on them, the lettering, everything stood out. And, you know, and some of my favorite issues were the Jack Kirby Chick Stone ones, where he had um, Mr. Hyde, in and yes, also Crusher Creel, the Absorbing Man. Oh, you're just I, speaking I, my language, man. I freaking love Crusher Creel, the Absorbing Man. And the way Jack drew him in those issues was incredible. 
he just looked like this larger than life. And the cover, one of the covers that I think Vinnie Coletta was the anchor on the inside, like he's situated between these buildings, almost King Kong-like, because he had grown, he had absorbed the, the building and he was almost 40 stories high or something. And I was like, no other comic looks like this. People could say like Superman has great covers, but Thor, like he had a, a, a super heroic character with a red cape and yellow golden boots and long hair and a freaking hammer, you know, and a winged helmet. And he could kick ass. I, I hope you don't mind me. Uh, no, no, you are, you are fine. Okay. And uh, he just beat these people. And, um, and then also like going back, you just saw how it progressed. And then you had the little tales of Asgard stories in the back, which was also like young Thor. Wow. Yep. Those were neat. And then you went to the, um, what was it? The, I forgot the issue numbers. I think it was around the one fifties, the Mangog saga. I with Ragnarok. <laughs> I love Mangog so much that I have Mangog tattooed on my shin. You will, do not. I do too. That was my last tattoo. I just got it about four months ago. Oh, Jack Kirby, Vinnie Coletta, just black and white on my shin. I said, Mangog rules. And um, yeah, but, oh, that's I mean, so that's awesome. That's just, yeah, I mean, <laughs> talk about being a nerd, uh, a, a fan of oh, the media. My so going, going back and seeing those issues. And then also, uh, Marvel used to produce the Treasury editions, those oversized ones. Yeah. And uh, they reprinted the Mangog saga in that. So you got to see it large, almost the size of the original artwork, because artwork back then was oversized. It wasn't like this 10 by 14 or whatever it is now. It was like bigger. Yeah, it was just yeah. bigger pages and much more. It, it was just huge by comparison. And uh, how do I know that? Because when I was at the offices, Jim Shooter was the editor in chief and he fought hard to get people their artwork back. And so you'd see the old artwork in the office in one of the offices there. So I saw the oversized artwork for some of these stores so, so and Fantastic Four and Hulks and Spider-Mans. It was amazing. But, but, but like, okay, I, I, there's so many things you just said that I just, I, I want to pick apart. Go I got, I got to like prioritize because you mentioned Mr. Hyde and like we, j on, on this show, Mike, on our, on our Thursday episodes, we do an edition of the show called Throwback Thursday, where, uh -huh. I, I literally started at issue one, 83 of Journey into Mystery, and I'm working uh, forward issue by issue. And we just covered Hyde a few weeks ago. Right. Um, so uh, I think uh, th this is coming out right after we've done like the first appearance of the Enchantress. Um, yeah. So we're, we're right in that kind of sweet spot. Yeah, and you mentioned, yep. yeah, you mentioned Mangog, and uh, there will definitely be a time where we cover the Mangog uh, saga as uh, as its own like episode because that is just a spectacular storyline. It's so good. Um, well, the yeah. Mangog. Not only do I have the tattoo, uh, I don't really have an extensive comic book collection. I know that's heresy because I just, <laughs> I've moved so much and I've already owned them and read them and sold them and bought them again. The one, the one issue I have proudly. A, hanging on my wall or somewhere in a box is the first appearance of the Mangog. Oh. It's uh, one of the, my favorite characters. He's so silly looking with his yellow and reddish brown. Goofy like, as hell. But, <laughs> you know, big talons and fangs. But anyway, I digress. Yeah, the yeah. Cobra and Mr. Hyde, awesome, awesome stuff. And just oh my goodness. so straightforward, dynamic artwork. And it was so simple, the artwork. Yet, yeah. Yet so dynamic that I think that's what drew me in. If I was a fan of the medium today, 
I would look at a comic book and say, like, there is no way I could draw like that. There's just too much distraction. There's just too much, you know, over rendering. Uh, you know, everyone's perspective is great. Everyone has gigantic muscles. But the way Jack drew things, they looked believable. They looked yeah. like, wow, this Mr. Hyde, he looked like the the monster from the movies, like the black and white. I think it was Frederick March or someone. He sort of looked like him. Yeah. So you're like, you know, so it, it looked topical. It looked believable, but it still had a cartoony feel to it. So I was like, this is just the best. So. So, uh, so a little, a little, uh, you know, the, the, honestly, I could sit here and talk about old, uh, Jack Kirby art forever. And, and, uh, and we'll, we'll get to like how I've got to Marvel in the first place, but sure. like just speaking about, speaking about Jack Kirby, I, I literally just about an hour ago finished up a, a different episode for a, for a different time. And me and a, and a buddy of mine, we talked for five whole minutes about one speech bubble that Jack Kirby drew. Yeah, not, not 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 a whole panel, just one speech bubble, and how it communicated so much. I mean, really, if you're going to read comics, and you honestly, I think you have to start with Jack Kirby. Yeah, he is sort of you know he's my favorite, so of course I I would definitely put a plug in for anyone who <laughs> wants to get introduced to the Marvel Marvel universe the correct way. You know, it's Stan, Jack, Steve Ditko, of course. Yes, and Steve Ditko inked Jack on a lot of things, and you know, yes, he did. Shout out to Don Heck, too. Oh, my gosh, yes. Don Heck. I, I work with Don Heck at Marvel, another brilliant artist who had his hand in Thor and some other stories there. And, um, you know, Jack's work was dynamic, a great writer. I mean, he could, he could have used an editor later on in his career, but, uh, you know, he, he was just awesome. And believe it or not, I have a dark side tattoo on my forearm, and I have a devil, oh. and I have devil dinosaur on my <laughs> other shin. So, you know, <laughs> you're to say that I'm and Calabac, I have Calabac on my inner forum. To say that I'm a fan of Jack Kirby would be an understatement. But uh, you know, it, Jack's art on Thor definitely catapulted me into wanting to do this. I said, I you know, like I, I wasn't like a fan of like I have to meet Jack Kirby, I have to meet Stanley. As like, I just wanted like like you said, like we started this off like, how does this get made? Like how yes. do I how do I figure out how to make this so I can do it or. I could learn how to do it or I could just do it myself or, or work with the people that do it, be a part of Marvel, be a part of the Merry Marvel Marching Society. How do I do that? Because <laughs> it was such a sense of community in the bullpen, bulletin pages. Yes. You always, you always felt like you knew these people, you know, because they just wrote about them. Like, you know, here's a tour of the bullpen. And, and there was a Foom magazine, Friends of Old Marvel magazine, <laughs> and uh, they would have like charts of the bullpen. And I'm like where people sat in the offices. And I was like, Something it clicked in my head. I was like, I want to be a part of that. And eventually I was. And, <laughs> exactly. you know, flash forward to 20 years later, I, like my little head was in an office and my name was called out. So just awesome stuff. So, yeah, Jack, Jack is it. The old time uh, journey into mysteries. Just so incredible. You're talking about you in the bullpen. So let's uh -huh. let's let's get let's get up to the, that point. Like, was it always your dream to work for Marvel or was that just something that kind of. Uh, came together organically tell tell us kind of your origin story right with getting to marvel well i guess i was at the right place at the right time you know i always wanted to to, to work in comic books all throughout high school uh i just doodled in my notepad uh, i'd get to school early and just draw and draw and draw and draw these crazy characters and then uh when i was a, a senior in high school uh they had internships programs or and 
a few kids in my school and the years before me had worked at Marvel Comics. So it was always like planted in my head. But like when you're a sophomore or a freshman or even a junior, like you're not even paying attention to that stuff. It's like you're still no, a kid. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, I have to get a job, uh, an internship. I didn't even know what that meant. And like I couldn't just Google the word. So um, uh, my time came. It was senior year. And they're like, well, what do you want to do as an internship? And I'm like, I don't know. I'd love to work in Marvel Comics. So I spoke to my advisor. He's like, well, unfortunately, that that's closed down. I was like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> I was like, is there any way you could work on that? And um, believe it or not, he did. So uh, he contacted someone who worked at Marvel. My first boss, Mike Higgins, was an, okay. a, a Regis graduate. And oh, wow. he, he put a word in for the woman, Lynn Cohen, who was like the hiring manager for the interns. Because uh, the internship that Marvel brought in was through public schools, like art and design, and a few other schools. Okay. And I was I was going to a, a Catholic school, so it didn't really fit the, the the profile there. But somehow they said, "Okay, we got you the internship." I was like, "Hot damn!" And then, <laughs> yeah, and I was super excited. But like any, I think it was pretty normal for a seventeen-year-old time. Like the night before, I was like, "Oh my god, I have to go to Marvel Comics tomorrow. I'm scared. I don't want to go." I was completely like intimidated. And I called my best friend's dad, and he's like, "Oh, just do it. You know, if it if it doesn't work out, go somewhere else." Like, like normal advice that I would give anyone, like my own children these days. Like, if it doesn't work out, that's okay. Just try something else. So I went, and uh, you know, it was just an office building, three eighty seven Park Avenue South, tenth floor. I was introduced to Lynn Lynn Cohen. If you if you ever listen to this, thank you for the opportunity. And uh, all I did was I got introduced to three other high two other high school students who were going to the school of art high school of art and design okay steve busolato who's still in comic books and hector Colazzo, who was an artist who passed away way too early like 10 okay. years ago or something poor hector good friends of mine they immediately befriended me and what did we have to do at marvel comics i would go to there after school like two or three times a week i would check in with lynn and we would make photocopies of artwork because back then artists would mail in their artwork Okay. And the editors needed photocopies for the drawers in case artwork got lost in the mail. It wasn't like we had scanners and computers. Oh, okay. So my job and Hector's job and Steve's job was to make photocopies of the artwork. So they'd put it in a bin and say, make four copies at 100% and bring it back to this editor. So just by doing that, I got to meet all the editors. I got to see all, hold this original artwork in my hand. At the time, it was 1985. So I think uh, the first piece of artwork I ever held was a... Herb Trimpey, Barry Windsor Smith, Machine Man Limited Series. I oh think that was gosh. the first thing I ever worked on. And then there was also uh, some Secret Wars work and just all cool stuff. And I think I think Simonson's Thor pages may have been in there. I'm not entirely positive. Oh, but, you stop. Know, that is 1985. <sighs> uh, oh, my so, goodness. And then also another job of ours was to sort the fan mail. Okay. So we would get bags of fan mail. We'd have to open, like, and, you know, I think Thor's uh, tagline was the hammer strikes or, okay. and then the Hulk's was green skins mailbag and, you know, don't yield back shield was shields or whatever it was and power packings. And so we would have to sort the mail, open it up and sort it, put it into folders and then bring it to the editors so they could write their letter columns. Okay. And that was such a pain because there was just tons of, tons of uh, submissions that you had to sift through. <laughs> Because everyone wanted to get into comics. So you'd see all this artwork, like people sending in 
terrible drawings and stuff, and we'd have to put it into separate bins for our someone to review. And it was also the time of the Marvel tryout book. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but was, I, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, yeah. The Marvel tryout book was basically this oversized, like sixty-page book where it showed you how to do comic books, okay, and uh, how to make a comic book, and it had tryout pages where you could practice lettering and inking. It was actual the actual wasn't the exact Bristol board that the artists were using, but it showed you how to do it. And they gave you sample Bristol board to say, practice inking, practice lettering, or maybe even pencil. So okay. everyone, everyone would be like sending in copies of that. And um, we'd have to sort through that. So it was, it was fun. It was busy work. And then once a week, everyone, each intern would rotate and we'd get to work a morning in the Marvel bullpen. Like some days we were in there in the morning instead of the afternoon. So it was a morning in the morning in the Marvel bullpen. Okay. Where everyone had their drawing tables, and we got to um, our first order of business was we had to get coffee for everyone. So it was about fifteen cups of coffee from the local de deli. Okay. Uh, so I'd get everyone's coffee orders, and then I'd uh, basically learn how to make the comics, like do paste ups, mechanicals. Uh, this guy Barry Shapiro, may he rest in peace. He taught me how to do paste ups. Uh, okay. With with, with, two with two coats of rubber cement, uh, to you know, paste up letter columns and word balloons and things like that. And they showed me how to create, uh, how to size for photo stats in case panels of art need to be resized, like okay. blown up or reduced. So, uh, I just was like, wow, this is way cooler than anything I ever learned in school. So uh, <laughs> everyone was like, oh, we need to fix this, we need to fix that. Go get coffee, and I just befriended everyone. It was an amazing opportunity to just meet everyone you wanted. And guess what? On Fridays, once in a while, I got to lead the Marvel Comics tour. Because okay. a tour of the office. So I would just take people around and show them the 10th floor, show people in the Marvel offices, the different editors. So you had Ann Nascenti there. You had Ralph Macchio. You had Carl Potts. Uh, you had Sid Jacobson, who was doing um, Star Comic Books. You had Larry Hama was there. You had Denny O'Neill was still there. Um, okay. Jim Owsley. I don't know what he's called now. I think he changed his name. Uh, but okay. Yeah, he, was, he was Jim Owsley then. Awesome guy too. And uh, we just would bring them in and sometimes they would talk to the people and sometimes they wouldn't. And that was cool. So, uh, you know, like I just got to meet people. I got exposure. And um, when my internship ran out and I graduated high school, Lynn extended an offer to me like, hey, you want to work over the summer for $4 an hour? And I'm like, <laughs> sure <laughs> yes i do <laughs> yeah and then, and then i think it went up to four and a quarter by the end of the summer so uh yeah i just got to meet everyone i got to see the artists coming in i got to put mail i got to mail the artwork from the penciler to the inker i got to mail the lettering from the letterer to the inker or the script went out to the penciler so i got to see every phase of it and it fascinated me i took to it and people trusted me because I guess I was just so enthusiastic about it that uh, they just wanted me to keep working there. And I had a good attitude about it. And, um, you know, knowing the editors and um, the artists, as, as I got to know, grow there was super exciting. And, you know, they gave me nicknames and all that. I think I was called Schlocko, my first nickname, <laughs> because uh, I had long straggly hair like any teenager. <laughs> Parted down the middle like David Cassidy style. So, you know, and I was skinny and I wore, you know, like Harley Davidson t-shirts. I just stood out like a sore thumb, like a broom handle. But that was fun. <laughs> it was fun. And um, I just had an awesome experience. So how did I get into becoming an 
on the editorial staff was yeah yeah i was a uh, i was going to college i was going to the school of visual arts which was on okay. 20, 23rd street in manhattan so it was about a six block walk eight block walk away from um from the offices so i'd go to the offices like when i didn't have class and then eventually uh while in college the new universe was cropping up the editors of that got fired like this guy elliot brown and john morelli they got fired or they quit or they got pulled off the books i don't know okay the back, the back office stuff by jim shooter because that was his baby okay. and um the new universe was born and mike higgins was an assistant editor who i knew he's the guy who broke me in through uh, the internship program and then i just he's like i need an assistant editor and i'm like what does that mean he's like do you want to work here I was like, sure. You know, like, <laughs> yes, you know, please. I, I, I kept going to school, and eventually I just transitioned to full-time work there, and I was making uh, $14,000 a year, a whopping $14,000 a year. You were rolling in dough. I was, uh, I was balling back then, as the kids <laughs> call it today. I was flossing. And um, I was working on the new universe. And the new universe, and I'm on a new universe fan page here, so the fans of the new universe, so shout out to them. All okay. 500, all 500 of them uh, was to me an abomination. I was like, what the hell is this? Like, <laughs> I want to work on the Hulk and Thor. You know, like my, I had my, I had my sights set on something greater than the new universe, like star brand and justice and kicker zinc and night mask and spitfire. And, but it was a way to break in. And, yeah. and then one of the other titles that Mike Higgins was given was the silver surfer. Oh like, my gosh. Ooh, ooh, the Silver Surfer. Cool. Finally, a real legitimate Marvel comic instead of the, you know, the new universe. But I like the new universe. It, it taught me how to make books. It taught me how not to make books. It taught me, uh, you know, how teams are assembled, how to make deadlines, how to set deadlines, how to track things, because it's a big deal. Like being a comic book editor or an assistant editor is a big deal. The name is just in the credits, but. They're basically like a baseball manager or, or a coach, okay. and, they, and they assemble the team. So they're responsible for hiring the writers and the artists and the letterers and the colorists and anyone else who's on it. So they're responsible for that. So they're, they're looking for reliable people, so they're talent evaluators, and they also want someone who understands the continuity of the characters. With the new universe, none of that existed, so it was sort of like, well, you work with what you're given. Yeah. But say when you're given the Silver Surfer, you can't just hire any kid off the street to say, okay, here's, here's the keys to yeah. the Silver Surfer, go make it, and uh, it'll sell millions because, you know, that's unlikely. Anyway, so um, that's, that's where I learned. That's where I really cut my eye teeth, so to speak, yeah. on, on how to do this. So I just remained an assistant editor on the New Universe and, and, um, and the Silver Surfer. And then Mike quit, and I went over to Howard Mackey, and Howard Mackey – awesome awesome human being loved working with him he was so mellow so cool and uh he became the writer of ghost rider and spirits of vengeance and all that other good good stuff oh, in the cool. 90s and uh he was super cool to work with because i was like a, i was a kid i was like 19 or 20 so a 19 year old kid or a 20 year old kid you're easily distracted like i have a 20 year old <laughs> maddie and my son is 18 sean shout out to you kids love you guys and um what it is is like your attention span is all over the place. I was no different. And um, 
I was like a bucking Bronco out partying at night and then trying to get to work on time, which I never did. So, uh, (laughs) but Howard was patient. And then eventually um, I got moved over to uh, Terry Cavanaugh. Terry Cavanaugh was uh, promoted to editor. And he he took over this this, uh, weekly comic book or bi-weekly comic book called Marvel Comics Presents. I don't okay. know if you ever heard of that. So that's the yeah, one that I have heard like, the name before. That had four eight-page stories in it. So it's thirty-two pages, no ads. Came out every okay. two weeks. So, and he worked on Excalibur. So I got to work with uh, Chris Claremont and Alan Davis and Paul Neary. On nice, that, which was super cool. And um, with that in mind, like working on Marvel Comics presents, you got to work with everyone because he needed stories, he needed writers. He needed everything. So there would be series, like the first one had Wolverine in it. So we worked with Chris Claremont and John Buscema, worked with uh, like Walt Simonson drew the first cover ever on that. And, you know, it had these backup stories and it was just, it was a great experience because I got to understand more of the Marvel Universe in that year's worth of time. And eventually Ralph Macchio, who was editing Thor, Yes, Captain yes. America and the Fantastic Four needed an assistant editor, and Ralph and I got along smashingly. So when there was an opening there, I shifted offices, and I had arrived. I had arrived at the offices of the Mighty Thor, Captain America, Fantastic Four, and uh, I think Doctor Strange at the time. So uh, that's I, I was my happiest there. So that that brings us up to kind of, you were assistant editor on Thor starting uh, what year, Mike? Oh, maybe 1988, 1989. Okay. So, um, I I just, so, uh, so currently in the, in the, uh, Mike Rockwitz, uh, epic, we're in 1988. So up, up until this point, outside of your work on Thor, what, what were some of your, uh, like you say, like maybe your, your three favorite books you had worked on up until this point, what would you, what would you say? Uh, wow. That's a tough one. I could say, well, working at Marvel Comics Presents was amazing because I, I worked on the Black Panther limited series with Don McGregor, Gene Colan, Tom Palmer, and Joe Rosen. Very and cool. What had happened was that Glynis Oliver was the colorist and uh, she couldn't meet one deadline. So uh, Terry's like, hey, we need a colorist. Can you do this eight pages overnight? <laughs> and I was like, sure. And Don McGregor bless him one of the most amazing human beings and creators i've ever met who doesn't get enough credit as far as i'm concerned even in present day with the success of the black panther uh i went over to his house in brooklyn and we went over every single panel of of gene and tom's artwork and i colored it in front of him i barely got any sleep and that broke me in doing that so that was a really rewarding experience and um so that was one of my favorites because I got to work with Gene Colan and Tom Palmer, who were just my like my idols. And then I, I worked on a an issue of Wolverine with John Buscema. I was a colorist on that. So I think mostly like anything are yeah. creative, you know, like editing things and being the assistant editor. I, I just enjoyed coming to work every day, even though I never showed up on time. Uh, it was just <laughs> exciting to hold the artwork, talk about the stories, have input in the plot, have input on the story arcs and like, where are we what are, where are we going to be in six months or a year with this with this character? How can we tie it into something else? You know, I, I always had that enthusiasm about it and how to how to work on it. So um, those are some of my favorites. Yeah, and, and uh, along the way, I also 
Mike Higgins also worked on Conan the Barbarian. A shout out to Conan the Barbarian. Okay, yeah. Lic a licensed character and Patty Redding, Patricia Redding. She was like the managing editor of Conan the Barbarian and the black and white magazines and all that. And that was just awesome because it's a completely different universe where, you know, it's Conan. And yes. uh, I loved working on that. It was fun working on Conan, King Conan, Conan the Barbarian, Savage Sword of Conan, and also the reprints, Conan Saga. So my love of back issues and reprints that I had as a kid, I got to work on those, building them out for Conan Saga with Patty. So she taught me a lot too. In, in how to do that because she had been there for several years working with Larry Hama. So those were fun. Conan's a great character and uh, I loved working on that. So I fast forward to me being in, in Ralph's office. I think at that time, Tom DeFalco was writing Thor. And yeah. Ron, late eighties. Yep. And Ron friends was on it and Brett breeding and Joe Sinnott. And uh, you know, Tom, as he would say, it's real hoo-ha action in the old Marvel manner. <laughs> and um, and it was it was exciting, it was super cool, it was fun. Ron Friends had the Jack Kirby, John Buscema, uh, you know, John Romita flair to his pencils. He was dynamic. You had former Joe... former guest of the podcast, Ron Friends. Shout out to Ron Friends. He is amazing. He's a terrific human being. Uh, wow, it was so much fun working with him because he would turn in these covers where the cover copy was already in place and it looked like Jack Kirby drew it, but it was Ron Friends drawing it. It just had that excitement and it was like, I felt like I was a kid again, even though I was still a kid. I was only 20, 20. When, when Ron stopped by the podcast, we talked a lot about Jack Kirby as well. Well, uh, yeah. So good to know that that's a through line that, you know, a lot of people uh, have from working at Marvel. With with um i'm just curious um speaking of creators mike what, what were who are some you mentioned like tom defalco and ron friends and you've mentioned so many different names that you know i would encourage people to go look up who are some of your favorite creators to work with maybe like you know um one-on-one -on -one or people that you just really appreciated be, spending time with well tom defalco ron friends joe sinnett who was a legend i mean Joe was the anchor of some of the earliest issues of the Mighty Thor, he even penciled some of the early Mighty Thors. Yes. Joe yeah. was a gentleman and a legend. And even though I was a 20-year-old upstart kid, he treated me like I was a 50-year a pro. Tom Palmer. Tom Palmer was a gentleman, incredible artist. John Buscema, Chris Claremont. There's so many I worked with. But I love working, with, you know, like even with Ralph. Ralph Macchio taught me so much. And, like, one of my favorite writers who everyone made fun of me for hiring because I gave him everything I ever worked on was Roy Thomas. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Roy Thomas. I loved working with Roy. He was the greatest professional I've ever worked with. He taught me, I mean, he was the former editor in chief of Marvel comics and Stan's yeah. right hand man for a while there. So to be able to be Roy's boss, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you're this young and have him teach you as you're going along, like what better apprenticeship could you get? So Roy Thomas and I, I love working with Rich Buckler. Rich Buckler was just awesome. And, uh, you know, I'd be doing a disservice if I forgot some people like John Romita Jr., John Romita Sr., yeah. Al, Al Williamson, um, Paul Ryan, may he rest in peace because he was working on Fantastic Four at the time. And, uh, you know, just so many incredible creators I was fortunate to work with and they were all great to me 
you know, like you may hear stories of like, oh, this guy was difficult to work with and everything, but not with me. You okay. Know, I, I work with Jackson Geis. I, I work with just about everyone. And it was always a lot of fun. And as long as you treated them well, they treated me well. And it was just mutual respect. And uh, I wasn't a fanboy about it. It was just like, hey, we have a job to do. We have to get these books out. And I, I treated them as best as I could. And when they were late, they're like, okay, you're late. And we'll just figure out how to get it done. And uh, it was an awesome experience. So I probably rattled on too many creators, but the hell with it. Well, honestly, I think for for fans out there listening, and maybe, you know, maybe maybe you know the name Jack Kirby, but you maybe you don't know, you know, uh, Basema's, you know, that well. You don't know Ramita Jr. Senior. You don't know some of those names. I think that actually just gives people more incentive to go look into those those people's works yeah um, and and ramita jr actually was drawing thor uh in 2000 or something because i have some uh trade paperback someone gave me when i visited the office like you might want to look at this and his thor was beautiful yeah was like wow it looked regal he looked regal it was well illustrated so yeah those were awesome humans to work with so so speaking you know let, let's you know narrow in on your time with with thor do you have any like any any fun stories from that creative team that you got to work with? I mean, who? Well, actually, maybe first, who who are the creative teams that you got to work with at your on your you know your your stint with Thor? And you know, just maybe share some 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 good story time. Well, great stories. I mean, working with Tom and Ron and Joe. Tom had great ideas. Fun to keep the mythos of uh, of Thor alive tying him in with other characters, uh, other comics as well, other, other uh, instances like with, with crossovers. So that was a ton of fun. And uh, I, I can't say which issue because every one of them was fun. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, look what he created. He created Thunderstrike, you know. What, what, what was the process of getting Thunderstrike off, off the ground? Because Ron and I talked about Thunderstrike a little bit. But from an editorial point of view, what what was it like introducing Eric Masterson into the Thor, you know, uh, Thor universe? I think it was pretty seamless. I think Tom came up with an idea. Ralph was like, hey, that's a great idea. And then Tom just wrote it in. I mean, it, it speaks for itself. It wasn't, yeah. like, it wasn't like a massive, you know, we have to kill Thor to make, you know, Thunderstrike. It was sort of like, oh, here's Eric Masterson. Thor kind of goes away for a while and it's now Thunderstrike and... Beta Ray Bill shows up and it's the Thor core and, you know, like cool stuff. It yeah, was yeah. It wasn't like a lot of smoke and mirrors. It was just like, here, this is what we're doing. And it showed up and Thunderstrike was just cool. He was quirky. He was, he wasn't, he didn't speak in Asgardian speak as much as Thor. And, uh, you know, he was Eric Masterson. He was a guy. He had problems. You know, like it wasn't like Don Blake who just seemed like a tortured soul who eventually just kind of drifted away anyway. Like, does anyone even remember Don Blake at this point and Jane Foster, but you know, like Eric Masterson, you're like, Oh wow. He was, he, he was a integral part, sort of like the Peter Parker to Spider-Man. Yeah. You, you understood the duality of the character. It wasn't just like one or the other. So they, they were, they were closely tied in. And I, I think just the, um, how quickly Tom established the universe, like with Code Blue and a few of the other characters, while integrating, say, Ulick the Rock Troll in all of this. I and, love Ulick so and, much. And, and Loki. Yeah, Ulick <laughs> is another one of my favorites, too. Um, 
it, you know, it's just the way he did it was seamless. It was fun. And there wasn't this pressure to perform. It just, it just got done. And people liked it. You yeah. Because at some point, dare I say, Thor was getting a little stale. You know, when you're around for 30 years or 25, 30 years, it's hard to keep figuring out what to do with them. I mean, look back at uh, Roy's run on it. He did the Celestial Saga. Wow. Yeah. With Keith Pollard. That was some of the most, those were some of the most incredible issues I've, I've ever read. And they're, you know, the Celestials actually appear in the Marvel Universe now, which is oh, great. Yeah. But we're getting there. We're getting real close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, uh, there's only so many of these epics that you can create. So by introducing Eric Masterson, it just kind of gave it a new lease on life where everyone's like, well, what about Thor now? Oh, you, you miss Thor? Well, we'll, well he, he's just not that far away. So it was well done and it was an exciting part of it. And then, during that, uh, somehow I got promoted. <laughs> okay, let's talk. Yeah, let's talk promotion to what you were full editor then. I was Ralph's assistant, and then I think there was an opening in the editorial department. Um, and they took me out to lunch. They being Ralph, Mark Grunwald, Mark, rest in peace. I love you, and uh, Tom DeFalco. And they said, "Well, we're going to promote you." And I was like, "Wow." And I'd been leapfrogged by a few people, and I always felt like, man, what do I have to do to get promoted here? But meanwhile, I was like in my early 20s, so I had no reason looking back to complain. Yeah. I, was still get, I was still getting a paycheck. I was still doing <laughs> what I love. But you know, I, got, I wanted more. I had that passion, and I think that was a healthy passion. It wasn't obsessive, like I said, but I had a passion. And then they said, you're promoted. So I'm like, great. What am I working on? Well, you're going to work on the Conan books. I'm like, Awesome. You're yeah. gonna work on. You're gonna work on Nick Fury, Agent of Shield. I'm like, awesome. You're gonna work on Doctor Strange. I'm like, cool. And you're gonna work on Power Pack. And I'm like, oh gosh, okay. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, great. You know, yeah, I, the board's I, not bad. <laughs> I, I couldn't wait to get started. They gave me my own office. I, I hired an assistant, Barry Dutter, who, uh, you know, he he was good. Now he's reselling comic books. So, shout out to Barry. Um and. Uh, I was off to the races. They trusted me enough to hand me the keys to the, to these uh, classic titles and non-classic titles. And uh, I had fun with it. And along, and some of the, before I left Ralph's office, like I had done a lot of trade paperbacks with Thor at Captain America. So I had a lot of fun working with like Walt Simonson on that. And uh, also the, like when we were reprinting the Beta Ray Bill saga. So that was a lot of fun. Okay. In a trade paperback. And, um, you know, doing my own thing. I was excited, but then I was also kind of deflated too, if that makes sense, because here I was working on the comics I always loved back to like Conan and S.H.I.E.L.D., kind of like books that were on their last legs. Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, before Marvel Universe movies, was um, uh, not really, they didn't know what to do with them. Was it floundering a little bit? Yeah, it, they had that graphic that's six issue limited series that bob harris wrote you know that was really cool it gained a lot of momentum it had beautiful painted covers like bob larkin and and a few other folks created these great covers and uh they had this comic book that had some momentum and then the the teams quit or i don't remember what happened i inherited it so i just did my best with it power pack i just never understood but it was canceled it was basically canceled so i had to run it out Okay. The, edge of, the edge of its existence and then uh dr strange was exciting i put roy on that book immediately 
or he may have already been on and I inherited him. I don't remember. Okay. And uh, Conan, the first thing I did was I put Roy Thomas on that as well. And, <laughs> and I got rid of everyone. I, and I put Roy Thomas on. I hired John Busem. I brought back a lot of the old inkers. And we just had fun with it. Because if, if I'm going to work on Conan, I want it to be the Conan that I like. And uh, it, it was a seamless transition because the fans liked it. It still sold. You know, no one, it wasn't too disruptive. It wasn't like I, I had like Todd McFarlane on it or anything. I just, I, <laughs> it I, wasn't I, jarring. Yeah, it wasn't jarring and it was a throwback, but it was something that people liked. It was comfort. It was kind of like a, a good old bowl of chicken soup for me that your grandmother made. You know, here's Conan the way it used to look like. And um, so I, I, I learned more about how to be a, an editor then. And then eventually, once, you know, like some books shifted and then I, you know, got to work on Thor. So, so you had a stint of time where you were off of Thor. Yes. Once I, you got into editor uh, role. And then when you came back as full editor on Thor, what uh, was it like transitioning back to that book? But now you're kind of the, you know, the quote unquote boss. Yeah, I was the boss. All right. Um, it was awesome. It was also very intimidating. It was also the time of a great growth in comic books. It was sort of the, um, where everything had a holographic cover or had multiple covers and everyone was crossing over Wolverine and Ghost Rider and you know, <laughs> people didn't know what to do with the characters. And so Thor once again was sort of relegated to not a hot book. And I think Tom left, like Tom had left the book and Ron left. So the team, the creative team left, they went off to do Thunderstrike on their own. And um, I had Thor. So uh, I worked on Thor. I hired Roy. Roy Thomas and uh, <laughs> sensing course. a theme here. Yeah, yeah, because he made it easy. I, I can't say yeah. that I was the most effective editor. I was sort of lazy, but you know, being lazy by hiring one of the greatest writers in the history of comics is probably makes me a genius or not. But I just said, <laughs> Roy does it all. He's a writer, editor, and a perfectionist. So why not give it to him? And yeah, he, he took it with him. And um, one of the things I struggled with was finding the right artistic team on it. So I had hired this artist, Bruce Zick who okay. uh, Mark Grunewald had brought in some samples. He was like a Disney artist or something. He was like a background artist. And he had this, okay. he had this Kirby feel to his artwork. It wasn't like a Ron Friends Kirby feel. It was sort of a, I don't know if you know this artist, Tony Sammons. He was, he had a brief career in comics that I'm aware of. It, it had sort of, it with. sort of had a, an impressionistic look to it, but it still looked like Kirby. Okay. So I gave him a few issues and it just didn't click. And uh, it had Mike DiCarlo, as the inker, Mike's an awesome human being and inker. He had worked on, you know, Batman and tons of other characters and uh, over Jim Aparo at DC. And I put him on that. And so uh, Bruce didn't work out. And I was getting a little disheartened because as a, as a baseball manager, you see like you're in a, a losing streak. You've lost 12 out of 14. You know, you're in first <laughs> place. And that's, that's how I was starting to feel. Okay. And, that, and, and that's how you have to just, you need to um, shock things up shake things up there is and not like i brought in someone from the bullpen I, I found another artist gary hartle who was a much more traditional he worked with um ron friends on the backup stories of, of thor when i was the assistant editor on it so i was like let's give gary a shot and gary was awesome and uh, he did a few issues and then i found this guy mc wyman who i worked on with uh on shield with mc wyman was a an artist i found in the sample pile <laughs> Okay. It had gotten to the point where 
there was great growth. People were there was this thing called Image Comics where everyone thought they could be an independent contractor. Yeah, uh, yeah. There was also DC Comics. There was a lot of competition, so a lot of work, but not a lot of artists to keep up. It's not like artists are just like waiting and lying in the wait, lying in the wings, waiting in the wings, so to speak. You have to groom them and and do the Marvel style, or or just know that they can draw comic books the correct way. So MC Wyman got it. He was a little rough around the edges, but we brought him on and he was great. So, um, you know, uh, looking back, I can't say that my my fandom necessarily translated to the best run of the Mighty Thor as I had hoped. You know, we had things like the God Pack and, you know, yeah, looking yeah. back, it's, you know, I'm, I kind of it, it's kind of cringeworthy. And we had some painted covers that. Looked cool when they came in the office, but 25 years later, they're kind of like, ooh, this looks like it belongs on the side of a van, you know. Uh, um, <laughs> a little dated? I, yeah, or just cheesy, dare I say. Uh, like airbrush covers were cool, but this didn't work. I mean, they're well done, but they just don't translate well. It's not like we had Alex Ross doing the covers. I was just thinking the name Alex Ross. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I was yeah. Like, like, he can paint anything. Right, yeah, he could paint a mailbox. You're like, wow, that's amazing. This is the greatest uh, mailbox ever. Yeah, yeah, and so I, I didn't have that experience, but, you know, uh, I'm not to say that I'm – I was like a third-place manager in the major leagues. So for me, to, you know, like, I, I'm not going to downplay my, my contributions, but I wasn't – I didn't win the division, you know, if, if I continue using the baseball analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a major league manager on a third-place or fourth-place team. And well, – uh, I'll put it this way: You've put together, uh, you put together way more comic books than I probably ever will. So for that, I mean, as as a kid who you know, I grew up, you know, like like you said earlier, drawing heroes, you know, on 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 pieces of paper and you know, classes that I was probably supposed to be paying attention in. And uh, you know, I've 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 written, you know, all of my life, and and now I've got. Honestly, I've got a, I've got a three year old son that loves talking about heroes and drawing heroes, and I'm like, man, here I'm talking to a, a guy who got to live out that dream, and you got to you got to create adventures and and, and blow people's minds with imagination, and uh, I mean for that, I mean that's that's like that's like my dream. You got to live my dream, and that's that's so that's so awesome. I'm I'm envious. Well. Truth be told, I got to live my dream, and uh, so it's all about me, Ryan. Uh, yeah, yes. So, yeah, and looking back, uh, I have to say, in retrospect, what an amazing ride, how fortunate I was. You know, it's not like I'm, I'm going off into the into Valhalla now, to the <laughs> exactly, fires. Yes. I don't want to sound like that. I'm We're not, not putting morbid. you out to pasture. I'm not morbid, but um, current day, I work with this comedian, Greg, Greg Criticos. Okay. Shout out to Greg. He's a local Queens comedian, and he's he's starting to he's really taken off. And I do like graphic design; I do posters for him. And anytime he introduce he he's a great promoter. He's just like a natural showman. And I I'm sort of like I like to be behind the scenes. I could be creative, but I like to be behind the scenes. It's not like when I was in my twenties, I'm Mike from Marvel Comics. You yeah. know, I'm Mike. I'm Mike Rockwitz. I work in Marvel Comics. Here's my my business card and everything. So so um. He introduced me. This is a guy who worked with Stanley. He worked on the Mighty Thor. He worked on Captain America. And I'm like, oh gosh, you're embarrassing me. But um, <laughs> it's true, and I feel that way. And when people turn around and look at me, they're like, wow. And I'm like, 
I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm humbled because I had the opportunity. I'm grateful for it, but people still think of that as an amazing opportunity. And I still do too, as well. I, I'm not, I'm not minimizing it, but it's nice that I impacted people. And even, even through Facebook, I'll have people writing me and uh, saying like, Oh, uh, like, like you did, of course. Yes. And um, just asking me for things, asking me questions. And I'm, and I'm, I'm flattered. I'm, I'm honored, you know, that people remember me. And like, I started off, like I'm, I'm relevant. So um, it's, it's good times. And uh, yeah. to look back and to even talk about it now, I'm like, I'm getting all nostalgic, like, <laughs> you know, like, to, like working on Thor and, and being a part of the creation of some of the great issues and coloring some of this stuff overnight when I was grousing about it. I look back on trade paperbacks and wow, I did that. I did that in three hours. And uh, most people would be killing to do that. Like, like you said, like, wow, this is a, it was a great ride. But uh, another thing I edited as well. Yeah. Uh, as we were preparing for this interview was the WCW comic book. Dun, oh dun, my dun. gosh, Mike, I can't believe I breezed right by. I, I, said uh, I, was I wasn't going to talk about it. I wasn't going to let you get off the hook with that just yet. The W the world championship wrestling book. comic book. Yeah. Please. As believe a big wrestling fan, I got to know what that was like. Uh, it was fun. Let me tell you that. That's an understatement. Jim Salakrup. Shout out to Jim Salakrup. Okay. He works, he works at Paper Cuts Publishing now. He was the editor of Spider-Man when Todd McFarlane was on. He's a legend. I call myself the legend on Facebook, but Jim's a legend. He's super, <laughs> super awesome guy. He's an incredible human being. And he somehow negotiated with Turner Properties to get the WCW over comic book. And he's like, hey, you're a wrestling fan because, you know, Believe it or not, we used to wrestle in the hallways of Marvel Comics, me and uh, Dave Wool and everything, like jump off desks and figure four leg locks. And oh, we would, that's we, so cool. We would break posters and stuff, and we'd have we'd have uh, boxing by the freight elevators where we'd have gloves, and I would have blood capsules where he, I'd say he split me open. So we were, oh my gosh, it was always like we were kayfabing it, but like people were like, well, what's, what's this? It's just, did he really get hurt? So it was, it was always it was always a work as the lingo goes. Absolutely. And so we we knew how to work. So Jim said, "Hey, uh, I got this," and everyone's like, "I don't want to work on this." So I was like, "I'll work on it, absolutely." So um, I got to go over to the Turner Properties people. Over it was over by Penn Station, and we just talked about ideas. Like, what do you want? What do you want us to do with this? Like, what's the direction you want to do do it? And they didn't really have a clue either. It's just like oh, it's just another method of exposing the the Turner characters because it was Ted Turner's company, World Championship Wrestling. Yeah, who do they have at the time? Cactus Jack and Sting and Ron Simmons and Lex Luger and a bunch of other characters, and they hadn't gotten to the point where it was WCW Monday Night against oh, WWE. This is pre Hogan. Yeah, Hogan hadn't come yet. It was before nwo and all that we had guys like johnny b bad uh <laughs> oh my actually, gosh You're I, actually, I, actually, I actually did a comic book signing of with johnny b bad mark Merrow, uh i think it was his wife or his girlfriend out in long island with ron wilson the penciler mike lackey mike lackey was a insane wrestling fan in yeah. the office and uh when i got it when i got the book i was like mike do you want to write this? he's like absolutely and um like he just came up with all these like like bruise crews and the ghoul and all these characters and i was like this is great just run with it like i did not want to have much creative oversight because like just because i'm a fan doesn't mean i know best sometimes fans 
just want to do it their way. So yeah. I let I let Mike and run wild. He'd run the stories by me. I'm like, this is awesome. We'd send it over to the Turner people. I don't even think they read it, to be honest. <laughs> and uh, we had Ron Wilson penciling it. We and Ron was great, but he could barely get the likenesses right. So I hired my roommate, Don Hudson, to be the inker. Okay. Don was a tremendous artist. He was from the High School of Art and Design, and he was an intern before me. And he worked with the Ramita Raiders, and he was my roommate, and he was looking for work. I was like, hey, you want to edit this WC, ink this WCW comic book? He was like, absolutely. And he had done some inking for me on S.H.I.E.L.D. So gave him the WCW comic book, and he fixed the faces, made it look more like Lex Luger and Ron Simmons and oh. all that. And, and uh, I have... Very few pages of original art in my apartment, my humble abode. But the one page I'm the proudest of is the last page of the first issue of the WCW comic book where Lex Luger takes some trophy and smashes it over Ron Simmons' head and then pile drives it on it. Because I said to Lackey, he has to pile drive him on the trophy. Because I, oh. I was such a wrestling nerd where Ray Stevens had pile driven Jimmy Superfly Snooker on the cement floor twice in Allentown, Pennsylvania, that I said, this has to happen in a comic book that I edit. And it did. It made it into print. And, uh, you know, like he wrote the dialogue for Missy Hyatt. I think Jim Ross or whoever was the announcer oh, saying this so is cool. disgusting and everything. And um, we put it out. I have the page. And the covers, we just would get stock photos that they gave us. They had nothing to do with like the, the actual story. Yeah. And we would just put silly cover copy on it. And I, I think it lasted a year. Yeah, yeah. It did not run that long. I was looking through the history of it and I was like, oh, okay, this did not, this isn't, this didn't stick around for a while, but I yeah, mean, just a cool little bit of, I mean, as a wrestling fan, just a cool little bit of history. Yeah, it is. And uh, I was lucky to be a part of it because not many people can say they worked on a wrestling comic book for Marvel Comics. So uh, that's why I give myself the moniker, the legend. But yeah, it was because <laughs> I was young and I was able to do that. And uh, it was just fun because when you're trying to plot the, the mighty Thor and Doctor Strange, then you're like, oh, what's going on with the WCW comic book, Mike? <laughs> uh, the ghoul on the booze pr- cruise or Bruce cruise or some other silliness and Ron's turning in great pencils and, you know, we're putting on great cover copy and we're just putting it out there and you didn't care if it sold or not. And um, going to comic book signings and I think they gave us some free tickets that I didn't even go to an event at the Meadowlands because I'm like, I was busy that night and uh, it was just fun because I was a huge wrestling fan up to that point. I started going to wrestling matches live at Madison Square Garden in 1981 I was a high school. I was in high school, freshman year, and my first friend in high school said to me, "Like I started school in September of '81." He said in November, he's like, "Hey, you want to go to the garden with me and my father to see some wrestling?" And I'm like, "What's that? Madison Square Garden?" He's like, "Yeah, we'll pick you up. We'll go." And I'm like, "Absolutely." So I went to Madison Square Garden every month because he used to have the events there every month. Yeah. And uh, Howard Finkel would say, and next month coming to the garden and oh. like during the end of the of the matches. And you're like, oh, I have to come back for this. And uh, it was incredible. And I was obsessed with wrestling. And um, I'd go to the independent shows. Uh, I would go to little arenas for it. And then once I'm in comic books and working on wrestling, I was like, this is amazing. And the only wrestler <laughs> I really met 
Uh, I met Hulk Hogan one day when he came up to the offices. Oh, okay. <laughs> but he wasn't there for the WCW. I think he was just in town. And they're like, there's Hulk Hogan. I'm like, he was a giant guy. And I'm like, what's up? He's like, hey. And then. Um, <laughs> I met Hulk Hogan. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then um, Johnny B. Bad, like, who's Mark Merrow. And, you know, he had the gimmick yeah. of, the, of the pink tights and the makeup. And although he was a, an amateur boxer and he could kick anyone's yeah. ass. But he was this very effeminate you know, Little Richard kind of character. Yeah, definitely Little Richard. A feminine with a hot, hot ring girl. And uh, so that was just fun. So I had a, a very varied career there. Mighty Thor, WCW, Conan, Power Pack, Silver Surfer, <laughs> Doctor Strange. Um, then uh, all of a sudden, like what got me out of comics or out of Marvel was uh, the bankruptcy. Okay. You know, everything uh, that was pumped up, eventually what goes up must come down. You know, there were trading cards, holographic covers, you know, foil covers. Uh, anyone who's a fan of the medium, you had Image coming up. And uh, there were 16 X-Men books, 14 Wolverine books, 10 Ghost Rider. I'm being sarcastic, <laughs> but it just seemed like there was a saturation, a proliferation of characters that the market yeah. couldn't withstand. The direct market was almost going to go belly up. And uh, they just started laying people off. And they're like, well, you're part of the first uh, wave of layoffs. So I was like, oh, that sucks. Bummer. So my career was uh, shut down, I think, in 95. So I'd been up there for almost 10 years from the time I walked in there to uh, when I exited. And uh, the thing is, is that they, I was under an editorial contract. They'd given us contracts and it had just renewed. So they paid me for a year to do nothing. Oh, okay. Which was awesome because, you know, I, I got to travel and yeah. chill. And uh, I went out to San Diego and I met up with the former letterer and assistant editor of the Mighty Thor, Mike Heisler. Okay. Who was the editor-in-chief of Wildstorm for Image. He'd been out. He had been working with Image for a couple of years. And he's like, hey, do you want to work out here? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So I moved to San Diego and worked for Jim Lee's company on things like gen 13 and wet works. And I don't even know what else D DV eight and, uh, wild cats and storm okay. and storm And I'm like, Oh, this is different. This is this like, like working on Conan when you're in next to the mighty Thor office was one thing, but working on grifter, I was like, Oh no, I, I, I did it just for the paycheck and for the love of the medium. I didn't last long. I lasted about 18, 20 months. Okay. And so the very last short run. But what had catapulted me out the door from there was I Heroes Reborn had come about. Okay. That's where Marvel was going to reignite the spark for the comic books. So yeah. they started hiring the image guys to do the Marvel comics. So Rob Liefeld was doing Captain America. Uh I think Wills Protasio and I think Jeff Loeb were doing Iron Man and and I, I don't know who was doing Fantastic Four. So Rob just, I don't know what happened. Somehow the books came out to Wildstorm. So Mike asked me, do you want to edit Captain America? And I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> do I? I'm like, okay. You know, and at that point, Mark Rumel had already passed away. And I was Mark's editor on Captain America. And uh, I was already the editor of Captain America and I got laid off from Marvel. So I still had a bitter taste in my mouth. I'm like, oh, 
So I wasn't good enough to edit this when I was at the Marvel offices in New York City, but 3,000 miles away and at Image Comic Books, I'm now good enough to edit Captain America. So I had a bit of an attitude and a chip on my shoulder. So I lasted about eight issues on that. And, you know, it was Jeff Loeb and um, oh, I forgot the artists who were working on it. They were super talented. I think it wasn't Mel Rubio, it was someone else. Uh, they were talented. It was just like, I can't do this anymore. You know, <laughs> like, so in like 97, I was like, I'm done. And I just packed up my stuff and I came back to New York and I was like, I, I can't do this. And I, I freelance for Marvel, like doing computer coloring and interior coloring and stuff on okay. all the books, like X-Men Cable and uh, Excalibur. I did some Thor work. I was coloring Thunderstrike for a while. But but not not in a very uh, would you say like consistent like like it had been earlier just a few no years no back. it wasn't like this was my monthly gig I do like spot work and I I was just burned out because when you start off as a kid and you're thirty like you start off when you're seventeen eighteen and then you're thirty like it's almost like a major league career you're at you're on your last legs <laughs> and, yeah and yeah thirty by I wish I was still thirty but but you know thirty is by no means you know a retirement age. But I was just like, I'm done. This is just, it's, this doesn't have the same thing for me. So I, uh, I just switched careers and I, and I got out of it because the work was drying up. It was the computer age. And I like, I, I work on computers every day. We're talking via computer right now. Don't, don't get me wrong. And I, yes. I, work, I work in educational technology. So computers are my friend. They're my ally. They, they keep me off the streets. But um, <laughs> I, I colored comic books with traditional Doc Martin dyes and color coded them with a pen. And now they wanted me to color code something in adobe photoshop on a computer that kept giving me the little bomb in the middle of doing something that never saved my work <laughs> oh no it's the old mac the power max and fugazi max of the 90s and late 90s it wasn't like oh i have my macbook pro that can handle everything you know macs were a little they were newer yeah 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 and photoshop was still on vo version six or seven you know it wasn't like creative cloud uh, so it, it, like the Stone Age compared to today. Yeah, I mean, it's still dynamic and you could still do the work, but it took forever to save things. Like you could walk away, get a cup of coffee, take a shower, and it would still be saving something. <laughs> One cover and you would always cross your fingers like, will this work? And then you had to put it on a zip disk or a SideQuest drive and bring it into the office. It was like, it was different and I didn't like it. It lacked the organic feel of the paper you know, the Xerox paper, the dyes, the brush, the sitting at a table and listening to music. And this was just like boring. It was very boring to me. And I did it for the paycheck. And, you know, like, it, and it just took forever. Like one cover would take almost 10 hours. I'm like, I'm doing the separators work. I'm doing all this other work and putting all these lens flares and color holes and all that. And I'm making a hundred bucks. I'm like, I'm making less now than I was you know, like nearly when I was a high school intern. So this is just not, not worth it. It was time to move on. Yeah, uh, it was. So, so I, I pulled the plug on it. And, you know, I can't say that, you know, anyone said, oh, Mike, wait. You know, I, I let my feelings be known and I was done. So, so Mike, before before we get out of here, I just sure. I just wanted to maybe maybe look back in retrospect. When when you when you leave Thor, like what what was what was what was your favorite part of of working on Thor? What was what did you hope to accomplish on your time with that character? Uh, and and then we'll 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 get out of here. What was I hoping to accomplish? 
Yeah, because I mean, you were a fan as a kid and you loved this character and then you got to work on him. And and what what was your hope to to accomplish on your time there? Well, I wanted to bring him back to relevance or maintain his relevance in the Marvel Universe, because like I alluded to earlier or stated earlier, Ghost Rider and, uh, you know, all these other characters were just like stealing all the thunder. The X characters, Wolverine. Yeah. And, we're stealing the thunder and Thor was once again being relegated to the past. So I wanted to keep his relevance. I wanted to maintain sales. I wanted to maintain uh, consistency with how he had been written throughout his history. You know, um, when you look at Thor, at least up until when I exited or a few years after, he had a lot of good runs. Yeah. It wasn't like, it wasn't like one of those titles where you're like, I, I, I don't like the DC bash, but a lot of DC comic books, the older characters, it just seems like they've had everyone in the world trying to do them. Yeah. Like, I don't know how many people have written Batman, like my God and Superman because they're ancient characters too, but it just seems like so many rotating, uh, rotating creative teams. And um, Thor had some pretty solid teams on it. You know, like they stayed on it because they liked the character. And that's what I wanted to establish. And maintain. I think I was in maintenance mode then. And I wanted to make sure that I didn't do anything to screw it up. So I think I was a little gun shy because like when you're you're given the major league, you're up, you're brought up from the minors to the majors, you're like, oh, I might strike out for the first, you know, six weeks. So yeah, okay. that's how I felt. And no, that's um, understandable. And uh also managerially, the company was changing. So it wasn't like I was just left on my own. And I, I, I this is important. For context yeah I, I had a managing editor then i had a group editor and then i had an editor-in-chief i don't know if you've seen the movie office space where it says like you know, I don't yes. know who to report. i have like five or six bosses i had that and it took the joy out of just wanting to create the character work with the characters as is i had to keep running things by people because there were so many crossovers going in the world and everyone wanted their hand in reviewing it they were just doing their job but the way management was had become was just nuts where you were just like, who do I answer to? Why doesn't this person like it? And it kind of sucked the life out of me. And I was just trying to keep my dignity and the grace of the character as well. And not, you know, not just fly off the handle and say like, well, you do it. Cause I love, <laughs> I love Thor. I love the character. I always will. I always have. And um, so that was my mission. Yeah. And, and if I could go back in time, would I do it differently? Well, hopefully, hopefully I could if the managerial structure wasn't in place, you know, and I had had some of the smarts I had now. And if I could hire Jack Kirby again, I would. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, that's the know, ace in the hole all yeah, the time. <laughs> yeah. Given all of the ingredients, uh, my goal was just to keep it, keep it moving along, make it exciting for the readers, make sure that they kept coming back, making sure that the stories were clear. They may have been goofy, but at least you could say, oh, I, there was a beginning, middle, and end. There was a conflict, and our hero wasn't relegated to the background. So that was always the mission. Whether it was successful or not remains to be seen, as uh, people remember me and as they shovel dirt on me in the, in the cemetery. I don't know, but <laughs> oh no, <laughs> my goal was always like, I, it wasn't just for a paycheck. It, you get into comic books not just for the paycheck. It's not like, oh, I'm going to work at Wendy's just so I can get a paycheck to, to cover, cover some bills. 
you have to have a passion to work in comic books. You have to have that willingness to go to any length to make the characters the best they could be. And that's what I wanted to do. And well, for the most part, I'm happy with what I did. I, I, I'm I, I've been, you know, denigrating my, my, my work because as a creative person, you need to always check yourself. You can't just say my, my, my poop doesn't stink. You know? <laughs> I'll own it. You know, I'll own the stench. And, um, and sometimes I put out some clunkers and sometimes I put out some really good stuff. So looking back, I'm happy. Well, I, I can I can definitely say uh, that I, I appreciate all the work you put into it. I've been able to read uh, some of the issues that you've edited. Um, and, you know, uh, Ron, Ron talking to Ron was was awesome because he kind of let me on the inside of, of that of that time period on the book and just getting to further that conversation with you. I really appreciate your guys work because um, it's it's something that you know so many of us probably think we could do better. Uh, but you guys actually, you know, uh, put your 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 time and your your sweat and your hours into it and uh, and really put your put yourselves to the task of entertaining people and uh i've been incredibly entertained i i did want to give people an opportunity to reach out to you i mean we we connected uh through the captain america comic book fans podcast or comic book fans facebook group um and that's where we kind of started our conversations where can people if they want to reach out to you and talk further uh maybe about some comics or uh uh, maybe maybe a world championship wrestling. Um, where, where can people reach out to you? Hmm, that's an interesting question. Uh, I'm so reclusive. I'm not on a lot of pages. Uh, they can email me. Okay, you know, that's fine. I'm a big fan of White Castle hamburgers. So those of you who are, <laughs> those of you who are listening, I can be reached at White Castle Rock, like Rock as in Rockwood. So one word, White Castle Rock, at Yahoo.com. Uh, I have a White Castle tattoo. That was my first tattoo ever in 1987. Also the legend. So White Castle Rock at Yahoo.com. I'm not a big Facebook guy. I go on, you know, I'm, I'm in my 50s, people. So I'm not a boomer, but I'm also not one of these people who lives for, you know, uh, social media. Like, what's going on in the world today? I check in because I have my kids on it. My friends are on it. Like, you know, Walt Simonson at wished me happy birthday a couple of weeks ago. How cool am I? You know, I, <laughs> How I, just, cool am I? <laughs> I just maintain my friendships like that because these are people I love and work with. So uh, that's why I do it. But, you know, email is best. If you can find me on these fan pages, I'm on the Captain America fan page because I stumbled upon it. I thought it was really cool. If there's a Thor fan page, I will happily join it. But, you know, like I said, how many fan pages can you can you deal with in one day with so much yeah. time, so many distractions like a day job? And uh, the, new <laughs> the new universe page, you know, I'm a part of that too because uh, it's fun to just see the people who or meet the people who actually read this stuff. And I'm like, where were you when this was actually happening? You <laughs> yeah, you come on, guys. <laughs> I still have a job if you actually bought the damn things. Nostalgia is great, but. Yeah, so yeah, White Castle Rock at Yahoo.com. Okay. You know, I, I can't guarantee that I'll be responsive immediately. Uh, I hopefully I don't open up the floodgates here. My ego will indicate that I am. <laughs> but, you know, feel free to reach out. You know, I, I love I love chatting up people. You know, I, I I'm humbled by all this still. I'm grateful for the opportunity just to do this today. So uh, thank you. Well, Mike, I really appreciate it. Uh, I just want to give anybody the opportunity. Uh, if if anything, uh, your your work um, spoke to them or entertained them, just to give them an opportunity like you've given me an opportunity tonight. I just want to 
say thank you and uh, we'll down the road. You got it, Ryan. Thanks, everyone. And even if my work sucked, you can tell me. I can take it. <laughs> thanks, everyone. Bye. Look forward to this uh, being live. So thanks again.